What I find human nature tries to do is go, cool, that was an inflection point. Everything changed then. Well, yes, but also there's a thousand inflection points happening today. There's a thousand different things and every decision that you're making can be considered. If you, you know, think about all the tiny decisions we're making, right? This impacts something about your personality, your connection with the world. Like that's Absolutely. a decision. Every single time we make those decisions, we create a load more inflection points. And rather than trying to scribe and, and say, right, that was a, a moment and my life changed for the good or the bad, we tend to do it for the two extremes, but we don't tend to do it for the, the mundane normality that we have. And actually, you've missed out on all these amazing little opportunities to find that wavelength, to find that energy, to, to harness that in a new way. Welcome to Move With Gratitude, a brand new podcast from us here at Run Grateful. My name is Mark White and I'm the founder of Run Grateful, which is a social initiative aimed at growing a global running community with a focus on gratitude practice, using the power of movement as our vehicle. Join me as I have insightful conversations with others as we dive deep into personal stories, talking all things movement and gratitude. We hope you enjoy the episodes as much as we enjoyed recording them. And don't forget, don't just run, run grateful. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome to... Another episode of Move with Gratitude, uh, the Run Grateful podcast, here from uh, a slightly cloudy Hackney Wick. Uh, amazing to kick the day off, um, as we normally do with these podcasts, uh, speaking to another amazing guest. So, no pressure. We've not <laughs> spoken yet, but um, I've heard rumours that this okay. is going to be a good conversation. So, uh, really excited to introduce Nick. Good morning, Nick. Morning. Uh, Nick Kershaw has uh, done some amazing things around the world, raised unbelievable amounts of money through some of what he does, um, which we're obviously going to speak uh, more deeply about. So, yeah, really great to have you over. Thanks very much for jumping on board and coming Thank to you. chat to me this morning about who you are, where you're from, why you do what you do. It's and my first in-person podcast. Is it? For two years, probably. Okay. It's great. Are you nervous? Yeah, terrifying. Well, you've got your Tenzing, you've yeah. got your black coffee, so you're fully caffeined up. By the end of this, we're going, we're going to some serious levels. You're going to go for a run, you're going to go and get a PB. Um, yeah, so talking about running, you know, you know, without standing the obvious, this podcast is largely devoted to the world of running, mm. but in particular about how we can connect uh, gratitude, you know, to running and walking, movement in general, um, yeah. but Run Grateful is, you know, it's, it's in the title, what we're deeply passionate about. So... Yeah, we're, we're talk about what that means to you moving forward or kind of just open up that conversation because I'll be really interested to, to hear back. But um, first of all, just yeah, really curious, the, the ABCs, Nick, really, of who you are, where, where you're from and, and, and maybe just a little bit about your, your, your day-to-day lately, just the last few weeks. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm originally just from outside, just near Guildford. I mm-hmm. grew up there and... Uh, Basically spent my whole whole life looking at different kind of ways of empowering other people, right? I don't know why, but you get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Certain people just do. And it's not, it's not even like it's an altruistic thing, right? I get a kick out of it. I get a kick out of seeing other people uh, kind of unlock stuff within themselves. And so I kind of went through my whole life looking for that and searching for that. Um, and, uh, you know, thought I could do that in politics and studied that at university, came out of that and realized that's a bit of a zero sum game and that you could actually, if you harness the power of business, then that's a really like fast way to make a difference in the world. And so then I went into finance, which was a sort of a weird decision, ended up in impact investment uh, about that same time as when I started to run. Uh, And then through doing that, through running, through seeing the power of business, uh, not just in the UK, but around the world, seeing different ways to connect fundraising, I came up with the idea of setting up a race in Uganda. And from then on, left my job and set up Impact Marathon Series. And we've set up races all over the world that connect people with the impact that they can have in the world. And it just so happens that when you say the word marathon, lots of people want to come. Which is a weird thing. And how, how long ago was that when you said, uh, when was your first? 2015. Okay, so that's when the idea was kind of in between the years or that's yes. it, that was your first run race? It was 2014 was when I was, I was raising for a project in Uganda. I was doing Ironman Wales and I was doing some fundraising for it. And uh, yeah, I just said a joke. It was 200 people there and I just was launching this and I said, I don't want people to fundraise and put the credit card away. Like, don't donate and put the credit card. That should be the start 
of the journey, not the end. And usually we put it away and we never remember that we donated to that friend and that money's gone and done something and it has changed lives. And I wanted people to come out and visit and I just made it. I just said, and when you do, we're going to run a marathon. Mm. And I forgot I said it. Mm. And at the end, people were saying, what's the marathon idea? I have no idea. And mm. six weeks later, we launched Uganda Marathon. That would have been November 2014. Race happened May 2015. June 2015, I gave in my notice. September 2015, I started full-time on Impact Marathon. Wow, jumped right in. Yeah, yeah. it moved quickly. Yeah. It moved quickly. Well, I can identify with that. I know mm. how that... Just, yeah, if you tap into a certain frequency, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, just all of a sudden, just an energy takes over and curiosity mm. takes over and... And yeah, like you said, the, the the journey of meeting people and going yeah. places just kind of keeps the dream alive. And all of a sudden, then you find yourself actually doing it. And then it's like, wow, I've just done it. And then it's like, there's the next one. And then oh, you're in it. And yeah. then it's just like, okay, like, at, done. At the time, you know, Danny Bent and Project Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was going on. And every morning, like every Wednesday, we'd be meeting at 6.30 a.m. under the Tower Bridge. And there was like, <clears throat> at that time, like 200 of us sometimes. And there was, when, when Danny was leading Project Awesome, there was this energy that just meant, okay, cool. Midnight Runners came from people meeting at Project Awesome. Uganda Marathon and Impact Marathon came from Project Awesome. Two guys met one day for a coffee and then went and kayaked the whole length of the Amazon two months later. They just met for a coffee after a workout at Project. There was an energy in that group at that time that in that six-month period, a lot of us made huge changes in our lives. Yeah. And, um, and we were all backed by each other. Mm. And in London at that time, it was just an extraordinary place to be. Um, I've never quite found it again in the same way. Okay. Um, never needed to, because obviously... I was about to say, <laughs> sometimes if you don't need to, you, you don't... It's cracked on, It's yeah. different frequency, isn't it? I mentioned the word frequency again. Mm. So, I mean, you, you've, you've gone over you know a good few things actually you know definitely more than one anyway of like well like that that kind of caught my attention a little yeah. bit from iron man in wales to uganda and um uh, and kind of you know where where did uganda come from but but maybe before that actually before we go because that that yeah. take me in a different direction with the chat you, your own kind of love for endurance by the sounds of it was yeah. it where did you first get into kind of fitness movement when was that spark for you is it something that found you early on in life or is just something that you picked up during your teenage years or early adult years working life i've always been obsessed with sport and playing sport and since a young age that's been the only thing that i've really always loved um so growing up i played every sport i could whether it was yeah rugby football cricket obviously mm-hmm. um but golf squash whatever i've never been a great sport let's make this clear like never never great okay. but always in the team but not i'm not the star or the captain right you know i'm just just take, making up the playing your part yeah absolutely and so um that's what i did and then at uni i got really into american football which was a awesome time and um but from American football, it's just injury central. Um, and so I came out of uni, went into work, and um, it was... I was living down in Canada Water, actually, and it was really cool because last night I was coming in from Jordan on the plane and I flew over the Canada Water docks, and there's a really big one. And it brought back so many memories because in 2011, it was a really bad time in my first job. i just lost a massive deal I was in a sort of commission-based finance job and everything was like building up. And my boss that day just said, Nick, go on a run. Okay. No. Yeah. (laughs) So that night I did, I did 3.14 kilometers around Canada water, hated it, thought that was terrible, back hurt, didn't like it. It wasn't like I was unfit, but I wasn't, I wasn't regularly kind of stuff. If you ask me to go and play sort of five-a-side football, it's fine. It's no problem. But like... Just that consistency of going on a run. And then two days later, I went on another one. And then I found that Dockland. And it's like, looking again, flying over it last night brought back so many memories because at that time, uh, my parents were divorcing. This job was just like a horrible place to be. And, and you were just trying to, I'm out of uni. I'm trying to find what, what's, what's happening, what, what's next. And um, yeah, and then it just became running. And every night I would run. And... I don't know how to put it. It's it's just it, it's really funny timing, right? Because because last night flying over it just blew my mind. Just remembering those evenings every day, like if I had a crap day, the run just just makes you feel that it's going to be okay. Mm. And if you have a 
great day then the run just becomes alive I, I like it's just you just feel electric yeah, on it yeah, yeah. so that's really where the love of of running came in although I've done the triathlon a bit it's only really running that I love um and uh yeah it's come on to obviously define my life a lot yeah I'm, but I'm, I'm nodding <laughs> try not to to say too much because I know an audio it. experience. No, no, it's just that I, I tend to nod because mm. otherwise you just get a um and an R in, you know, just to <laughs> acknowledge, you know, because I'm relating to a lot of what you uh, mm. are sharing about just that kind of by accident kind of getting into running and then all of a sudden you just keep doing it and then like the opportunities that it's brought and the, the you know, the whole new world that it's opened up um, is just something yeah, I can. 100% relate to so that you were running on your own for a period of time when was it that you kind of you know found others and started to maybe gather you know gravitate towards groups or like-minded people was that I'm soon not after sure I ever have that much apart from Project Awesome okay. um, that would have been 2015 yes yeah, started 2015 was when I was when I went to Project Awesome until then I would yeah run every so often with friends and you know again running helped me rekindle friendships that would lost over uni you know school friends and stuff when you realize you both run and you both live in London so I'd start to do more of like one or two people running um obviously one person running obviously um, yes. <laughs> um but the group stuff I always didn't quite love as much I still don't think I love as much as heading out with just one person and and chatting yeah um but Project Awesome was different Danny had a, a really powerful energy at that time um, and it started in you know, with it sounds like your outlook on life with having an impact and looking to uplift others etc mm. so it kind of slotted in there with like if, if, if that combat a bit like the movement of gratitude with me like whatever way it comes there's a combination there that just feels right and accelerates you to yeah. go out there and try and make something happen you know we need these these sparks don't we every now and again so I'm interested to know like around about that time was you seeing, I know you said you were sporty anyway, mm. you know, maybe not the running, but, you know, you'd, you'd always seen value in, you know, movement and yeah. kind of fitness and looking after yourself in that way, potentially. But was you noticing lifestyle changes? Was Did you move from your job around about then? You said it was very toxic. You didn't use the mm. word toxic, but you gave that impression. Right, it wasn't well great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. How did it impact then shortly after 2011 to 2015? Work-wise, day-to-day-wise, how was so? How was it? I moved, yeah, I moved jobs to from yeah, very yeah, toxic, exactly the right word, uh, kind of job, into more positive impact investment side of things. Um, so I was in finance, and I started to to see that finance has an incredible ability to to change and impact lives very quickly. So does business. Um, we have a responsibility as uh, investors as finance professionals to say well where are we putting our money where we're putting our money is essentially the same as where we put our vote um if we put our money in in organizations that don't care about human rights and don't care about sustainability we're voting for that to continue um and every pound we put there we're doing that and um we wouldn't do that well sometimes we do that with the vote as well but we shan't go into that that side of things but like that's essentially what we can do we can very quickly change change the the way things are by putting where we put our money, especially in this economic system we have in, in the world at the moment, um, in the Western world at the moment. And uh, so, yeah, I, I started looking around for impact um, investment jobs. And at the time, um, I actually did, I interviewed for Goldman Sachs, which isn't an impact investment job. Um, and one of the things the managing director said to me then, he was like, look, you need to not take this job. You need to... Okay. Uh, we'll take our pound of, I think it's exact words, we'll, we'll take our pound of flesh and you're not, like, you need to go where you're passionate and where you're passionate is Africa. And uh, the other thing he said, I'd been thinking about doing a marathon. He said, yeah, go do a marathon and do it abroad. It will change your life. Um, so this guy's had this huge impact. It's the, the best rejection I've ever had. I mean, I, in the end, I was a bit like, yeah, but I kind of want the job. I mean, he's nice. You're giving me the advice. Um, and then, so yeah, I, I signed up to do the Athens Marathon. My family's originally from Greece and Athens. So I thought that my first marathon should be, uh, yeah, I feel like any event I decide to do, I really want to have an emotional connection to that place or that community, which again feeds into the spirit of Absolutely impact marathon does. as well. It's like, yeah, yeah. why there? Um, well, that's where my grandma grew up. That's where she was from. Um, 
she lived there through the Nazi blockade, all of these sorts of things. So um, the idea that I could go and run my first marathon back on the streets um, where she grew up was like really cool. So I signed up to that and um, yeah, and then I continued to sort of look for a job in finance, but an impact investment. But on the side, I then started to work on some projects that I used to have supported when I was at university. And that's kind of how Uganda came about, basically. Okay. Just to tie that, because you were going to go there anyway, so I've tied it together for you. Mm. And that's how we ended up in Uganda, setting up some projects out there, was just an evening weekend thing um, of yeah, doing what I used to do at uni, take, take university students out to Uganda, to Tanzania, that kind of place. And So tell me about that place. I've never been to so describe it. No, I mean, listen, it's one of... <laughs> on my bucket list if yeah. that's what I put in it absolutely to go and experience it and dive deep into mm. kind of yeah that, that kind of place and uh, side of the world so Tanzania I mean Tanzania is the best place to start because that was where I was at uni- university I was organising Kilimanjaro trips it's okay. just like find 20 people you get to climb Kilimanjaro for free so I'm like cool I can do that end up taking you know the year I graduated I took a group of like 60 which was intense that's how I first got the idea of about travel and about adventure and about again these are all just at that point just well I'm just doing it because of course it's an opportunity to do it not because I had some great plan and I looked at going into sort of organizing travel coming out of uni and I wasn't that interested in it really I was just nah, don't know um, and then obviously I found my way back into it but yeah so I spent like two years doing that um, or so at university and previously, you know, I'd lived out in Ghana, played football out in Ghana um, for quite for six months. Um, so I'd, I'd always had this sort of, I think Sub-Sahara for some people captures you and some people are like, oh, that's cool. And some people really hate it. And if I take a group of, of 50 people out, it will really be like 10% become obsessed with the region and love it. And then probably 80% will be like, cool, if the opportunity came up again, I'd go again. That was kind of interesting, yeah. pretty good. And 10%, I just, that was terrifying, never going there again. That sounds like <laughs> yeah. I didn't even want to come in the first place. You know, um, you, can't, you can't change everybody on this front. You know, they'll always, they'll always be the ones that end up in a bar just getting drunk instead of facing up to, you know, what, what options or what opportunities there are there. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. It's really hard to put a finger on it. Um, but I think for me, it's just like there's such a massive upside of the potential you can have to create an impact there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different ways that you can um, touch lives, improve lives, change lives, however you want to put it in a non sort of white savior respect. Because yeah. that, that's one of the things that's really important. It's about, okay, cool, how do we create the systems that... Um, yeah, that, that unite humanity and don't create this sort of two-tier system that we currently currently have. Um, as well as it just being awesome, right? There's, 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 a, we tend to get in the media in the UK two images of the region. One is the giraffe and the silhouette and the Attenborough documentary. And the other is poverty. And the truth is, is the majority of the region is neither. Um, and that's the bit that I love. It's just the normal every day. Yeah. And it's not massively, it's not, not flies on the faces as you see, you know, on daytime TV adverts. And it's most of the time, it's not the safari either. Yeah. It's the normal hustle and bustle of life in Kampala. It's, it's the different places you go, the people you meet, the getting around on the back of a motorbike, all of those different things that are just normal life. That's the bit that I love. And that's the bit that I, I always want to share with people. Yes. And not just cool, turn up at the airport, get in a nice four by four, drive to the Masai Mara, see lions, dr- drive on, lie on a beat. Like, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Fine. I know what you're saying. But I feel like you're, you're not really getting to know the area and, and the country. And so now, especially now, I'm like, when I pick up, when I try and design trips, we've got a race in Kenya. It's like, okay, cool. How do we show Kenya in a way that people wouldn't see it normally um, or wouldn't know how to, or you can't just tap by on the internet and, and turn up and have that, that genuine kind of connection with the community. And that's hard, but that's, yeah. that's really what fires me up. I don't want to be a organizing just tours. If you want to do that, go with, go somewhere else. <laughs> There's plenty yeah. of, plenty of better people. Mate, I, I love that. I love everything that that represents. And 
you know, for the first time, I'm kind of nodding away because, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind uh, listening to you is that community up mentality. You know, you shared about being in certain environments, whether it be business and kind of, you know, you, you get caught up in, you know, and it's not everybody, but largely, you know, with some of what I've experienced and seen and heard in my, in my own journey of that agreed and politics and, mm. you know, agenda and all that kind of stuff, that kind of top-down mentality. And But if you can... Yeah, rise up with that community up mentality. So, what can I do on the ground? You know, and uh, at times when you're of that mindset, you can kind of think, well, what can I do? You know, and and what's the point in starting? Because it, it, there isn't that instant gratification. You know, and you feel that you know you're not heard, or you need to know this, or you need to know this person because they can ex- all that kind of noise of, in between the years of of which is largely there to call it fear, uh, but it's also there to protect you. But then beyond that, you know, you everyone can take part and can play a part and this one even just a small token a small gesture or whatever goes into like the tapestry of life doesn't it and if everyone did that and it's just kind of get momentum but it does feel like on occasions uh you know about sand defeat is that you are pushing against the machine you know i've used that expression i've not one i've used probably ever before but but it's that kind of it's that kind of push and pull, isn't it? You know. And then the other thing that comes to mind is about just painting your own picture, you know, and seeing things with your own eyes, as opposed to what is fed, what we're fed. It looks like this, it looks like that, and go and experience it yourself because that feeling that you can get um, just with your own eyes and your own kind of, you know, just going experiencing things. Like I said, it's just it's it's it's, it's incredible if you if you're lucky enough you mm. know and this kind of taps into the gratitude yes. you know a lot if you are lucky enough to go and experience life in this way or go to these places or know people that can kind of point you in the right direction or it, it's not even about having enough money because you mm. don't even need a great deal that's another thing we're fed you need you know things to be perfect to yeah. go to a certain place it all depends on how willing you are and then just just go for it yeah, you know, just go for it because it's a super. We've got superpowers, you know. Because what I can do, someone isn't lucky enough to do, and there's some people lucky enough to do things that I can't do. So it's like focusing on what we can do, mm. and this goes back into that community up mentality. I focus on that and just harness that, and just, just, just see where that. I'm, I'm waving my arms about you, no one can see it, but, uh, but I'm like yourself. I'm deeply passionate about because I've seen what can happen yep. as a byproduct of that. I can see. That uh, you described it for you described it word for word at the beginning of the chat. Just that buzz you get, you know, that kind of that 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 kind of just that feeling that you get from seeing somebody do something. Yeah. And if you've had a small part to play in just that gentle nudge here, there or somewhere, that could be the start for something for them. As someone was the start for something for me, you know, like the guy at the bank, mm. he was at the start of something for you. You didn't quite know what then. Yeah. But now look. You know, and he was that guy. He probably didn't even mean to be that guy. It's just right time, right place. You tuned yeah. into it in a way and you heard it in a way in which oh, I love that about life. And that's just about showing up, isn't it? It's about yeah. showing up, putting one foot in front of the other and, and just, yeah, literally seeing where it takes you. I think so often we look back and we kind of find these inflection points, right? That that conversation with the banker, that's an inflection point in my life. Um that could have gone different ways, right? And had I been in a grumpy mood that day, I could have gone off on a different, like, screw you, like, whatever. Um, and the people that are around you, so any which time. But then what, we, what I find human nature tries to do is go, cool, that was an inflection point, that everything changed then. Well, yes, but also there's a thousand inflection points happening today. There's a thousand different things and every decision that you're making can be considered if you, you know, think about all the tiny decisions we're making, Right? the extra coffee we talked about that before we came up in there right this impacts something about your personality your connection with the world like that's Absolutely. a decision every single time we make those decisions we create a load more inflection points and rather than trying to ascribe and and say right that was a, a moment and my life changed for the good or the bad we tend to do it for the two extremes but we don't tend to do it for the, the mundane normality that we have and actually, you've missed out on all these amazing little opportunities to find that wavelength, to find that energy, to, to harness that in a new way. Um, wise, wise. I'll call it out there. That kind of lends itself oh, go, to this. Right, yeah. Everywhere leads somewhere. I wasn't oh, cheating, I promise. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself. It's probably boring now, but I'm just nodding because 
Exactly, it's them little moments that go unnoticed, but actually it's all part of the tapestry of life, you know, and, and everywhere leads somewhere, and it's just something that I heard, and uh, not too dissimilar to what we're talking about now, it's just like there's there's certain things you pick up, and it's just timing, or like, depending on what mood you're in, and it's just the open mind, I'm a massive, huge believer in the open mind, and it's just yeah. hearing things, and, and things just sit for some reason, you know, there's this level of maybe as you mature and just experience different things in life or kind of take on different responsibilities or roles or whatever the word is, uh, it just invites you to think slightly differently. Mm. And, and something that you heard yesterday, you probably heard last week or last year and it just didn't sit. Yeah. You know, and and it, it fascinates me that Absolutely. about life, you know, it's just, okay, what's all this about? You know, and it's just, <laughs> it's incredible. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm tuned into that more often than not. And it, you know, there's a pillar in there which really supports me because I kind of think, okay, I'd rather think like that than not because like, what's the alternative? You know, and I always look at the alternative as largely more unattractive, you know, because it's there for me, you know, mm. that overwhelm, that fear, that anxiety, that stress is because, you know, you've probably got lots of experiences with the nature of what you do where, you know, certain days, certain mm. moments um, uh, are tough and you're kind of like, okay, that push and pull and there's people out there that, mm. you know, you know that might be not relying on, but we're always relying on somebody somewhere and we're kind of passionate and we want to kind of see something happen like yesterday. Yeah. And, but we know that the noise of the world knows that it doesn't work like that. So t- tell me maybe the, er- the early days of, of kind of now doing your own thing and, mm. you know, what was the... Yeah, like the the was you just seeing it more tangible now, and that was just igniting the next steps. Is it? I think, to be honest, the early days were so natural. I don't remember having difficult times in those first few months of setting it up. It all just felt like I'd made this bold decision, and I was going with it, and things just kept on falling into. That was bold, wasn't it? To leave the job and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like it at the time. It felt like the obvious thing. It's like well. Why wouldn't I do this? Like, we've got a model. The model we've just seen in Uganda works. Okay, how would we scale that model to lots of different communities? I'm still working that out. And I think that that's where where it's been a bit harder. The first year kind of flew by in this amazing kind of... Everything just fell into place. I landed in Colombia, couldn't make head nor tail of, of anything in Bogota. It was really stressing me. I was, well, yeah, come to think of it, I was quite low for a couple of days. And then suddenly I get a message from Miss Colombia saying, do you want to come for lunch? She's married to the most famous pop star in Colombia, Carlos Vives. Next thing you know, I'm at the Royal Albert Hall backstage with him planning out a race in Colombia. And it's just like, things just yes. flowed. Yeah. And then there was a couple of setbacks. And certainly, like, years two and three in particular were, like, really tough. And my energy, um, yeah, my energy took a hit. And, and the initial kind of excitement and ambition and dream was always getting pulled back by, okay, cool, but what if that doesn't quite work out? Or what if we don't get to that point? Or what if our runners don't quite fundraise enough and we let the charities down? Like I always have this thing about letting people down. Yeah. And so as soon as that started to trigger it for the two years, two and three, it really triggered hard. And I was, and I could see that then. And was you like the, the, the founder's mm. role, was you kind of like the marketing, the yeah. event management? The, the, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And like, you know, no one's perfect today, but in this, but you take it on and yeah. things need to be done. So you do them and, and that's just part of yeah. you know, establishing something. And, and also just through, throughout that kind of early days, it always reinstilled, well, for me anyway, talking about myself, it just reinstilled the reason of, of why you were doing it, mm. you know, and it was a be a bit of a bugbear, but it's funny. I brought it up on a bit of content we created the other day with saying and uh, about people saying, "Well, this is when you need to tap into your why and stuff like yeah. that," which I get and appreciate and respect, and you know, it's a powerful, you know, uh, thing to to have the, the answer to. But I was always like, "Why not? Mm. Why wouldn't I be doing this?" Because it just felt right. <laughs> like I said, all the challenges, mm. like all the most days, like. You know, a lot of the time we ever was just like Mark listen mate you know you, you're doing your best but come on now you know <laughs> this life is you know circumstances responsibilities are girls and this and, that, and kids and wives and mortgages it just didn't make sense and from the outside looking in they're like why is he doing this yep. and I'm just like I know it probably don't make sense to you largely doesn't make sense to me either I just know it feels right I trust this path more mm. than the path I was on before which was you know not too dissimilar to your environment mm. of like sales and you know, 
that just didn't feel right. Yes, it might have brought certain levels of success in, in other areas, but the heart and that soul and that yeah. kind of, I wasn't born to do that. I think what I was born to play in this arena and seeing mm. what impact I can have. You know, and then first two or three years really kind of, yeah, on reflection, you know, uh, I was really pleased that I experienced everything that I went through. You know, mm. some proper dark, dark, mm. dark stuff. You know, just, just yeah, just felt lonely. You know, and it? when you I were wasn't in, in Colombia feeling lonely either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other side of the world, literally. Uh, when you were feeling like that, when you say like people would say, "Hey, remember your why?" Did you connect with that at that time, or was it? You know, how did you find your way through it? When it was a case of you were actually more connected with the why not than the why, what was the what was the triggers for you to keep kind of pushing? Just trust. Yeah. I was just trusting. Um, everything that we've just shared about, really, I just knew the process. I knew mm. you had to embrace the process. I identified with that mindset of, you know, every day presents something new. You, you take responsibility because uh, we, we've mentioned it in a roundabout way about every decision has a consequence, whether that's good or bad. And in order to make them decisions, you need to get up, you need to show up, you need to say yes or no or go this place or that place. And as a byproduct of that, it's going to kind of create this uncertainty and you need to roll with it. You know, I'll, I'll bring it back actually to when I first started to run, uh, to giving up smoking. I remember I've given up other things over the years, um, that's another story but but with the cigarettes I can remember after I don't know three weeks four weeks really really wanting a cigarette really badly <laughs> like every part of my being just wanted a mobile light mate yeah. and I remember saying to myself and this is from years of experience of giving up other things like I said but in that moment I was like you even if you have this cigarette now you will want to give up again because mm. it's nasty and it's not good for you and your girls know it's nasty now and you can't really push them to one side anymore because they're growing up and they can read and smoking kills so I knew I was going to be in this position again so do I give up now and go and have a fag and just be in this uh, in this position in another four weeks time or do I just ride this through and then relating to this conversation I, I knew that during this process and this why and why not I was just every position I find myself in I was always going to be in because this is the the, the path that I was on and this is the path that I trusted the most so just just ride through it and hopefully fingers crossed one day it will make sense yeah. <laughs> and I'm well, still yeah. here yeah. you're still here I'm still here so there's an argument to say that yeah like we're, st we're still there and we've got, a, we've got a chance and I always just trusted as well that kind of give more than you take you yeah. know, it's something that I've always kind of I've not quite got it out on me yet but as long, as long as you've got good intentions, as long as you're doing it for the right reasons yeah. uh, and you've, you've got balance because, you know, the harshness of the world, you know, certain months, you know, I'll be honest and open here. It's, it's become more about me now, mate. I'm going to throw it back. Now I'm, going, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. Yeah, no, apologies for that. But, um, you know, there's months I couldn't pay my mortgage, mm. you know, and it's like I couldn't phone Santander and say, well, listen, we've done this big community event and mm. it's the first time they've done it and it was both recognised thing and the... That's lovely, Mark. Yeah, but, uh, you need to pay your mortgage, mate. I'm like, yeah, but listen. <laughs> so yeah. it's just you know, I had to bring that into the conversation. I had to be mm. realistic with my ambitions. Of okay, it's all right that you want to do this amazing work, and and there's a reason for it, and it's needed, and you know, on the ground you need all this stuff to happen. But you've also got you know other things that you need to. Mm. So to, so once I kind of half oh, figured out that that balance, you know, I believe that is a big shift into me knowing why. You know, it mm. wasn't. Um, it was kind of because of the uh, you know you've got this vision of it I suppose you know and you know that to get there certain things happen mm. during the process but anyway enough about me mate I went off on but you've really yeah. no you've made you really kind of sparked saying can we just the early mm. beginnings of stuff you know yeah. so the um, yeah so now you're on your way in these first two or three years so you know, then COVID hit. Yes, I suppose it's been fun. And you know, with a lot of what you do, mm. you know, uh, is offline. Yeah, no engagement. Yes, <laughs> no yeah. one's allowed to see each other. So, so how was that period of time? How did that really impact? How did you adapt? How did you keep the spirit alive? You know, yeah. And, um, yeah tell me more about it's that been, time. It's been an extraordinary time, and, and again, history will probably say it was a very powerful and great time, right? Um, for impact for me personally. Um, regardless of the challenges faced globally and for individuals all over the world, you know, the situation basically all started to escalate while our Guatemala race was going on. Okay. And in the, the Monday of that, that race week, 
there was one case in all of Central America. Um, the race happened on the Saturday. On the Sunday, Guatemala brought in a seven-day quarantine rule for foreigners. The Saturday after, I'm, I'm at the airport for 24 hours trying to find a flight out. Wow. And I got on the penultimate flight out of uh, Guatemala until they closed the border. No flights in or out for seven months. I'm at the airport and I messaged the Jordan Tourism Board and Jordan, the guys in Jordan because we had a race there in May and I said, look, I'm going to postpone and they flight. But we've only got one case. I'm like, mm, I've heard that <laughs> a week ago. And so we, we did that. And, and, and truthfully, Lake, because as a British man, as a British white man, you don't have problems crossing borders, leaving countries. You don't have those issues. And so when there's something like that happens there's two elements to it one is it's a bit like a canary in the mind because nothing was changing in the uk but i was like this is yeah if you're if i'm sat at an airport can't get out something something's happening yeah and the other is and and relating to this is just that and you mentioned it earlier about the opportunities that we have is is, you know i've been able to be completely a nomadic for five six years Um, and i haven't had i've deliberately not wanted to own things never wanted to own a car never still don't really want to own a, a house though a conversation this morning with my girlfriend suggests that that might have to change um, but but like that ownership thing I've, I've lived out of two bags and, and and um so going into this suddenly I was at Atlanta airport going okay cool I'm not going to come back to London because I was only going to be there three or four weeks and normally we'd get an Airbnb or something and then go on to the next place um so I ended up going back down to my mom's cottage in Wales in Pembrokeshire right on the coast in the national park and I got back and I, there was like three weeks or so after getting back, which were pretty dark. And it was a scary time. I, you know, we forget it now because, but remember the first time that Boris came on air and was like, we're going into lockdown. You're sitting there watching that going, it's scary, right? Yeah, I think about it now and it's genuinely like spine tingling in terms of what was what was going on and, and, and to be there and to actually be there to look after my mum through that period who lives on her own in a cottage, you know, there, I really feel very lucky to have done that. I haven't spent more than two or three hours with her for six years. Um, I was a bit nervous about going back. We haven't always had the greatest relationship, but having that time to pause for me personally, I think was really important because for six years of not having a base, no matter what happens, that's playing. You're always thinking, okay, where am I going to be staying in that month or that month? You don't have somewhere that's just home. You don't have a place you can just put down your bag and go, hey, I'm back. It, it doesn't happen. You always, even if you have your own Airbnb, it's someone else's place. Even if you have, yeah, I, that's why I really love hotel rooms. They're so anonymously like, you just go in and they're yours. Um, but that time to then just recalibrate it had always been next race, next race, next race. And there was things I wanted to change. I wanted to change to work out how we can get more local fundraising with the local runners. I wanted to get more diverse within the Athletes Village. If we're talking about the global goals, we need a global community at these races. Um, I wanted to cut the reliance on being a travel organization. I wanted us to be events and bring people together, not, I don't want to be a tour operator, right? Yeah. That wasn't the goal. Um, there were so many different things that were in my head that I wanted to do that um, I never had the chance because you're always on to the next. So, yeah, for three weeks or so, it was dark and lots of sleeping. And to be honest, just I watched the West Wing again. Love the West Wing. And it was like going out on runs in the park and doing that. And then started to get my act together. And I bumped into someone when I was lost on a run one day and they told me about there it's pretty hard to bump into someone in wales as well like where i live you don't bump into people and anyway, i'm lost and trying to work out a route through bump into this old couple and they have no idea who they are and they have no idea from goldman sachs it's just like he's like my angel he's my yeah, obi-wan yeah. kenobi um no um, you know what i watched star wars for the first time during lockdown i haven't seen wow. star wars, so i actually get what i'm saying there whereas before yeah. i would make those jokes and not know what i'm saying and now get it sorry um so I met a bunch of these people. They told me about how their son had just graduated SOAS and um, at University of London, which is the School of Oriental African Studies. It's like one of the best international development programs in the world. And I was just suddenly like, why wouldn't I do that? There's so many things over the last five years that I've seen. And 
picking charities, getting the impact right. That's the bit that's hardest. Putting on a race is actually quite plug and play. You know how to put on a trail race. It's not the most complex thing in the world. The other stuff, the hardest part is how to create a really powerful impact and get it right. And that was something that had bugged me for a couple of years. So cool. So I applied and I've been doing my master's now for the last last year. So that's been really good. And, and, and actually my first master's reading, I opened it up. And there's our project that we're doing in Jordan is, is quoted in the first reading I had in my uh, master's, the Green in the Desert project. And I was just blown away by that. Um, and so since then, that's just been the most fascinating journey to go on. And I've got some really great concepts and ideas building from it. So, and then we reshaped impact. We reshaped it to be, okay, cool. We're going to have, rather than having an international event where we at the end invite all the local runners along and everyone gets in, it's an amazing atmosphere. Instead, it's like, well, no, we're going to make this a phenomenal two-day local event where there's a day of volunteering and all the runners locally get to volunteer as well. Because previously it had always been the impact runners coming in from abroad who get to go to the projects. And that year in Guatemala, I'd been getting lots of messages saying, Nick, we want to be involved in the impact, not just the marathon. Amazing. And I was like, cool. And they started to come along to the project visits. And then it was just, yeah, two or three months into lockdown when I just go, cool, hold on, let's change this. And we tested it out in Guatemala and it's just a really exciting concept where there'll be a day of, of work, then we all camp out, and then the next day we run together. And, and then the international event can blend into that yeah. rather than the other way around. And then we're not reliant on travel, we're not reliant on international, and we can build something really special in each country. And it's so much quicker to set up because you can so then, just adapt in you know, really, really yeah. well and evolving. And, yeah. But it's stuff that we wanted to do, but yeah. you never had the time or the space to work out how to do it right. Yeah. Um, because it's always the next race that we're cracking on with. Of course. So it's like, well, now we're in the right direction for where we should have probably been going since 2015, if you go for it. But, but that, that, you know, you wouldn't have probably worked that out had it not been for everything. So that's, that's been lockdown. It's been difficult. But I always, um, you know, all the news talks about cash flow, finance, money. Truthfully, if you start up an organization, you're, you're pretty much already numb to that. If you're not numb to it, then you've got a problem because cash flow finance money, that's part, of, part and parcel of running your own organization, right? Um, and it's been stressful for sure. But what I've hated most about this whole period is that I come alive when I see events happening and seeing people come together and connecting and not having that chance to do what I'm really very good at, not having that chance to do what I believe, yeah, is my real talent. And dreaming up ideas and having to pitch them over a screen. Yeah. That, that bit's been much more difficult to handle than finance. Finance is, yeah. is what it is. It's always, you know, it, yeah. there's always opportunities to make more money. There's always opportunities to lose more money, right? But the opportunity to do what you do, that's a decision you have to make every day. Yeah. And to not be able to make that decision, that was hard. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate. Hmm. Yeah, again. So I'm glad we connected hmm. today, mate. See, I've got a hunch um, we're going to do some things. <laughs> so, so with that, I mean, you just, especially in that last part of the conversation, you mentioned a lot about gratitude, mm. ultimately, you know, about, yeah, position you found yourself in and, you know, as a consequence, you know, certain decisions were made and, you know, a big smile on your face when you mentioned about the masters yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, is gratitude practice something that you've been aware of for years? Is it just something subtly you've been doing or consciously or kind of what does that word gratitude like mean, hmm. mean to you? You know, is it something you're consistent with or tell, tell me more no, about not gratitude? Consistent, not consistent enough, really. I, I think a good example, actually, um, by, by, by the time lockdown was hitting, I was pretty tired of travel and moving around. And um, yeah, what what for some people were life experiences for me was the everyday. That race in Guatemala literally it's on a live volcano and I spend the morning of race day at wow. three AM driving a pickup truck around a live volcano with lava there. Wow. And for me, I do appreciate it, don't get me wrong, but it's still work, it's still my job. I still gotta make sure everyone gets and going and having all of that taken away and the opportunity to do what I love. Um this week I just got back from Jordan last night and um I went on a route scout like maybe five, six days ago and I, I journal now a lot more and that definitely helps with the gratitude. Yes. Um, I don't keep it as a specific gratitude journal because I felt always like there was a pressure to find that and sometimes it's not like that. And, but what I find is if I start to write, it nearly always ends 
in me feeling grateful or positive or, or whatever. It never gets darker as I write. It always gets lighter. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's similar for you with your journals or whether that's a common thing. But for me, I can start with a really crappy first line. By the end, it's like, cool, that's what I need to do. Um, but this time going out, I was just saying, I'm going to like embrace this because I don't know the next time I'll yeah. be able to do it. And the first time I visited Jordan, I remember staying in a small apartment um I had a good contact there and he was taking me to places and then I was coming back and just getting on with other work and this time I was like no I'm going out I'm running with the wrong groups I'm going to eat that street food that I'd been walking past because I'd rather just get back to work or whatever it is and I took loads more said yes to a lot more again like I did right at the start you know because you you, you start off quite usually in a, in a really good way and then little by little it just erodes and um one night on this route scout I just wrote down everything that had happened that day that was a unique moment. And it was 28 things. Wow. 28 things. And some of them were as silly as driving around in a pickup. I, really, I love pickup trucks. I really do. Yeah. It may be small man syndrome. Don't know what it is, but I love them. And it's like, I spent the whole day in a pickup truck. We did a load of off-roading. Um, we planned out routes. We had great different foods, amazing falafel hummus breakfast. Like all of these little things that had just become like a normal thing on a route scout. When you actually write down all the things that happened, you're like, wow, Powerful. what yeah. an incredible day. And then I got to do like a, a, you know, the drone came out, we went running up and down at sunset and it's sunset in the middle of a desert in Jordan. And previously I'd, I'd appreciated it, but I'd just been recognized, I'd always been thinking about, okay, cool. What next? How are we going to make this work? Or, or your brain's not actually in that moment. No. And by writing that journal that night, I was just, I couldn't believe how many things I was still writing about what had happened that day. Yeah, and it was just one day. So I think that bringing that into my life has been, is something that I really have to continue and want to continue. Yeah. Um, I mean, the value that it brings for the time that it takes. And it's not <laughs> as if you've got to make it up either. Like, as you just alluded, like, there are things that have actually happened. Mm. You know, you've experienced them. So it's just about documenting it. And there's something about the power of the pen, which is like seeing things in black and white. Like, mm. once it's in between the years, you can justify things or you can bit little them. Um, you know, you just mentioned not to kind of pick up on certain words, but, you know, it's only a little thing, mm. you know, and it's just funny how, like, just in between the years, you just kind of just position things differently. But when you've got pen to paper and when you can actually see it, literally in black and white, you're just like, it just, all of a sudden it just adds a bit more depth to, mm. to things and that deeper appreciation, as you've uh, kind of mentioned as well. And, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful practice, you know, and for some, they can, you know, if you're lucky enough, here we go again, to mm. be able to, to write things down, you know, because not a lot of people can. So every way you can kind of communicate that. Mm. And I suppose that's the, that's kind of how, uh, you know, even before Run Grateful, you know, attaching gratitude um, to, to my running was something that I've been doing for a mm. while. You know, while I was out, I was using that as my opportunity, my pad and pen, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do journal and things like that um, a lot. But when I was out, I was using that opportunity just to focus on the gratitude mm. you know and things and experiences because there was a period of time there my relationship with running has largely been about well-being anyway i've never really chased pbs or yeah. distances and things like that um although a man from around a volcano sounds attractive <laughs> you're up, you're up for that, danny after london uh but but yeah you know just that that, that time you know that, that time out it's just like okay you know let's just think like get yeah. away with the noise of the world what's been has been what's going on is going on but like right this moment you know and um and then years you now that kicked off well, I'm grateful I, I think there's a, a wonderful element of of how we create the triggers to do the right things right and if you look at you know James Clear and Atomic Habits or whatever it's it, that theory of what's your trigger to do the right thing and I feel like running is a really good way of doing that in terms that if I'm going to if if running's already the habit yes then adding ingratitude into that. So I, I cold, I, well, it doesn't matter if it's cold or warm. I swim a lot. I live right down on the coast. So most mornings I'll jog down and have a swim or sometimes for the sunset. That now has become always a gratitude thing because I don't, I'm not, I'm not interested in, I'm doing it because I love getting in the cold water and like flipping around. Yeah, the other day I came across a seal when I went to oh, a different wow. bay. It was amazing. Don't right? see them in Hackney Wick. You don't. No. You don't. I, I've always said, lovely place, not enough seals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but now for me, and I'm, I'm a Christian, I pray, and that, that's now my time to pray, is that time when you're just completely surrounded. I'm very fortunate to live 
where I live at the moment. And that time to just feel the cold water, to hear, to smell the taste of the salt, all of that. And, and because that's now a normal thing for me to do, it's straight away, as soon as I get in, it triggers the, the bit of my brain that goes, cool, now I pray. Otherwise, you get swept up. Yeah, you swept do, up. Yeah. There's so much. And, and again, I don't have kids. I don't know how you do it when you've got kids. And I see like my brother and sister with kids. I'm like, how on earth do they manage to stay sane, let alone grateful, and all of these different things? And I feel like it's like, okay, cool. I'm starting to get ready to try and do that. But still, I feel very lucky that I have such a, a base that means that I can play around and practice and see what works. Yeah. Um, to some degree yeah no brilliant and you know I've, I've never really positioned it in my mind as that but where i'd already had the habit of running in mm. my life you know i've run like uh, four or five times a week so no mad distances really i mean collectively they all add up mm. but it's always just that moment of time in which i just went out for half you, know, you mentioned about the family like i had a lot of keen uh, cyclists uh, mm. friends but that just always seemed a bit of a faff to me because you, you had to just get all your gear and you might know, get a puncher yeah. and you'd have to go out for a couple of hours at least. Uh, well, not at least, actually. It's a bit of a bit of a lie. But you needed to go a bit further and a bit longer. We're running, you could pop out for 15, 20 yeah. minutes after. You'd done 3K, 5K, whatever. So you didn't get missed as much. But where, And it's hard enough to form that habit because still, you know, my head tries to unsell me or sell me the, you know, the fact that you can go later. Mm. You, know, you don't need to go today. You know, you still got that little thing, that voice in your head to say, "Oh, you still go tomorrow." You know, yeah. but I've never had a bad run. But anyway, I was already in, the, you know, in the habit of running. And yeah, the way you just described it there, that you know, and I always knew that I was utilizing that time mm. for more than just listening to my mind, like I do twenty-three hours of the day, or whatever it is. You know, obviously I'm asleep for some of that, but but yeah, just uh, it was. Um, I was focused on that time being different mm. you know, it would be mindful or whatever so i like the way you said that because yeah i've already formed a habit so, mm. so what made you change it there what made it change from being somewhere where you just sort of ran to a conscious a more conscious thing obviously now you you run run grateful and stuff but where what was the the transition from i run regularly because of whatever it helps me a little bit to really understanding that purpose and that gratitude within your movement was there a moment for you or, or just... That's just consistency. Yeah. It's very similar to... I've said that a lot throughout <laughs> our chat because it's just just the consistency mm. and, and of just doing things and then all of a sudden it just comes in, you know, and a thought lands and one day it landed where it didn't land before and, mm. and then that felt right and that felt like, you know, a, a nice thought and, and you let that sit in you and then that leads on to another thought and all of a sudden it's a thing. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, gratitude practice, you know, not, not necessarily integrating into my running uh, more often than not, but as a thing, I shared about it on, um, on the Run Grateful podcast a few weeks ago, for years, yeah. pushing 20 years now, gratitude wow. has been, a, like, I, I knew, I found the power of gratitude all them years ago was just, you know, fundamental to mm. my existence, really, without putting but that's, that's what it feels like it's that powerful you know and, and yeah just a relationship with running kind of um, yeah just kind of happened you know mm. and then uh, I went out and done this 24 hour marathon thing with the hour on the hour scenario and, and attached gratitude to it put it out into the world it felt like a thing and and then run grateful it ended up being that thing and now it is a thing so yeah, yeah it's a great thing <laughs> so, so that's great I could talk I'll say I'll finish most of these podcasts by say, well, all of them actually saying I could talk forever but mm. I'm really conscious of time and it's my daughter's birthday weekend so oh, I need to get back um, but we always tend to finish yeah uh, in a way in which just throwing a few questions to you, all very light-hearted. Okay. So this, this thing, you know, nothing to do with your masters that you're going through at the moment, mate. It's a little bit less stressful. Okay. Um, so we are going to start with, let's start backwards, actually. Um, someone you're grateful for that in my, this moment. And, uh, my girlfriend. Why? Your girlfriend, okay. Yeah, which is a really obvious answer, I suppose. But um, uh, she came into my life because of, lockdown really we, she, she was working for the charity we support in Guatemala and oh, wow. we probably if I'd gone straight on to Jordan probably I would never have had the time to talk and we carried on talking carried on that she came all the way across the world during lockdown to spend some time Incredible. with me ended up staying four months she's brought uh, she's just brought a calmness and a just very solid uh, base in my life 
And when I have big ideas and dreams, she's a project manager. So she, oh, touch. she's just perfect, <laughs> right? And so through these difficult times with, with impact and having to let lots of the team go, she's just pulled up the slack every time. She's like, cool, I'll take on that. And um, from someone on a professional basis, it's been amazing. But on a personal basis, um, I don't think I've ever had someone in my life who's been so consistently amazing, brilliant with me. Mm. Um, I'm grateful for her too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Long may that continue. And um, yeah, I love this one. It's, it's very random, but uh, but I love it. So you're on your you're running around a volcano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing a yeah. grateful mile. Yep. And you come across a genie lamp. <laughs> what would your three wishes? Are you going to pick it up on your pickup truck? Oh, yeah, 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 and, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's it. What What would your three wishes be? So it hasn't got to be kind of like. Just has to be world peace. World peace. Can yeah, I well, of course you can. <laughs> well, mate, listen, you're, you're doing your bit for that anyway. So, uh, so yeah, that's not. A, what am I wishing thing, for? What you um, Oh goodness, that's a really, really hard question. I, I don't really have lots of things that I wish for, truthfully. Um, but if I was to wish for something, it would be um, great energy on a personal level, because okay. that's 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 opens up so many of the doors is that energy uh, that within oneself so I think if I could wake up every single day but I think that again I'm I'm wishing for that but I already know how to do that so I don't need to wish for it wish for it should be something that I can't get in any other way through this Um, seals and hackney hmm? you could wish for seals Seals and hackney Hackney. yeah seals and hackney um, would be wish number one yes we'll go with that Um, wish number two would be A changing of this, the way that we see borders as humans. Um, I, I really get upset about the concept we have about the other. And we as humanity are not the other. Like, it doesn't matter where I've been in the world, I've connected with people and, and it's so driven. There's a narrative there that's ridiculous, like ridiculous. And, you know, I know, obviously, we, you know, Liz works with you and stuff, you know, her travels and what she saw and how we, wherever we end up in the world. Like, I remember as a kid um, with my best friend, we both actually set up organizations in the same month in 2015. And we always said like the dream, when we knew that we would, we were where we wanted to be was when we could land in any country and set something up from nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's actually where I've ended up kind of doing. Um, but the key thing of that is that, that the, there's so many uniting values that are so central to that. Um, and wish number three, this has gone way further. This is meant to be quick fire, wasn't it? No, mate, this is, <laughs> no, it's not a straightforward question on the spot. Um, I know. My brain is all the way in sort of terms of economic systems and voting systems, which I believe can unlock. If we change our economic and voting systems, we can unlock so much more potential um, in what we have in our voices as humans. So I would wish that we could incorporate more blockchain and open up our political system to be more focused on um, uh, the, the voices of the people rather than the voice of the few. Amazing. That's them last two are a bit more inspiring than Seals and Hackney, which is my little... Yeah, but that's because you haven't that seen the Seal and Hackney. Yeah, I know, but listen, like, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's where my, you know, that's my brain capacity uh, this morning. But um, no, incredible. And you know, three things come to mind since speaking to you this morning and uh, I kind of just finished off by bringing up something that I, I brought up earlier on in the podcast that you inspired uh, it's just seeing things with our own eyes, you know, mm. as opposed to the eyes of others, you know, and unlearning yes. things from before and, and going and experiencing these things. And I know some of us, you know, and I'll, I'll include myself in here, might not have the opportunities, the resources, the capacity, the, 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 whatever the challenges or the obstacles or the hurdles are to mm. let us go out. There's certain bits of information that don't cost anything. Yeah. All it demands of us is an open mind, uh, open eyes and an open heart, you know. And uh, as I said, that, I'm going a little bit like, <laughs> but it's really kind of, and I don't really, you normally use terminology like that. It's mm. not open heart, but it's just like, it's just about being open. You know, the world is very complex. Yeah. You know, the, uh, lots of things are happening and happened, always have done. You know, mm. we've got to look back his history. All we're doing is playing out things that have already happened before to slightly yeah. differently. It's the same story. But the, the things that get, or, or the, the, the major factor in most of this if not, I know we have a few natural disasters going yeah. on, which we're powerless over. Only we're powerless over a lot of things. But human beings, mate, 
they're the things yeah. that get involved. And so as human beings, you know, if we can just take responsibility best way we can, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is easy. I know it's very complex and there's a lot of things entwined in yeah. how we view things, see things and experience things and trauma and all very tough yeah. not to crack. But you absolutely feel like you're one of the right people in the right places doing mm. some incredible things around the world. Uh, we haven't even tapped into so much of what you've done and the, the, the money and the awareness that you've kind of raised and all that kind of jazz so there could be an episode two here um, <laughs> absolutely but yeah really incredible to meet you thank yeah. you so much for what you do you're, you're a friend of ungrateful now no, thank you you. Know, you were before but now i know you so uh, <laughs> i'll know you more so um i'm really excited to see where this could go no expectation yeah but uh, i'm really glad that liz kind of connected us that's what and, she does uh, she's, she's an amazing people. lady yeah so we're grateful <laughs> for liz absolutely so thanks danny as always for being on the other end of uh, of this uh, doing what you do best um and yeah, that's it. So if there's, Thank there's you. anything else from yourself, just enjoy your rest of your weekend. You too. And, uh, and your daughter's night. birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell her. Well, she can hear it one day. Thank <laughs> you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Great stuff, man.